want us to sing a word of prayer this morning. Uh, Steve Ferguson, will you come to the mic quickly? Uh, Pastor Jerry had to go real quickly to the hospital this morning. He wasn't feeling well, was having some dizzy spells. So I got told that I get to preach this morning with about 10 minutes of notice. So um, get ready. So if you were here a few Wednesday nights ago, you got to hear a sermon that you're going to get to hear again. Um, but you, if you slept through it, um, maybe it would be just kind of a little recap. But I thought it would be appropriate that we pray for our pastor uh, as he is headed to the hospital right now. And Steve, I want you to, no, I want you to come up here and let's, let's pray for him. He was having trouble reading his notes and he asked me, uh, would you want to read my notes? And I said, no, I know your handwriting. And so I'll just recap what I did a few Wednesday nights ago. But will you lead us in prayer? I never go anywhere quickly anymore, but I tried. <laughs> Join me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege and honor to pray for um, not our church, but our staff, as all of us I know do, but particularly for our shepherd. Um, our shepherd has um, been there for all of us during some difficult times when we've been sick or we've been ill or, or uh, challenges in our lives. But it's, uh, it's a different perspective when we're praying for him in particular. So a lot of us have memories of how our shepherd was there for us and for our flock. And uh, pray that we would all now take a moment and collectively, cooperatively pray together uh, corporately for him, for healing, uh, for um, the physicians to make a quick diagnosis and for him to be 100% soon. Uh, we know we talked today in class about the quickness of prayer being answered in God's will. And we pray that is the case today, that you'll be with Sue in particular as she has to be the, uh, the comforter in this case as she always is and the support in this difficult period they're going through. We know it's probably something serious, but yet it's serious when it's you. And um, when it's um, surgery or other events is minor when there's somebody else's, but they're major when it's us. So I pray that you would work diligently with him and the physicians to find a quick resolution to this. And thank you for um, the opportunities of hearing uh, Brian speak today. The Bible tells us we must be ready in in season, out of season. That's become true today. So be with Brian as he shares what's on his heart. All these things are divine planned. Um, you're well aware of them. This is in your will. And you had foreknowledge uh, that we would um, hear Brian speak today. And I look forward to his words he'll share with us. But we all collectively continue through the day to pray for our pastor as we can. And all this, I praise your name and thank you in advance for hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. But, one thing, though. Uh, foreknowledge does not equate to cause. So a few weeks ago, I was able to preach uh, a message called Get Godly Church. And I want to tell you, um, I'm going to speak to us, and I want us uh, to be encouraged today, but I am going to step on a few toes, and I am going to encourage us. Um, but I want to think about it um, as encouragement, but also as a little bit of a... Um, a prodding as a little bit of a um, accountability and so I want us to think about our church and I want us to think about are we serving in a godly manner how godly is our church 
This is kind of a spiritual checkup. This is what I was thinking about as I was thinking about our church, and not just our church, but the church in general in America and some of the concerns I have, um, not, again, just for our church, but for the church in general. I think you would agree with me when you look at the church in America that there should be some concerns. I think you would nod your head with me. There are churches closing at record rates across our nation. And I just want to stop now and tell you that our staff is committed to keeping the doors open of Valwood Park Baptist Church. We do not rest on our uh, laurels, as they say. We are working hard every day because we believe in the mission of Valwood Park Baptist Church. We want to see this little church on the corner continue to reach people for Christ, and we work hard for that every day. And we know that you are a part of that mission. And it is with you that we make that happen. And that is what I want to speak to you about today. So what does it mean to be godly? We often think of godliness as an exterior element. I told you, again, if this is a repeat, I really worried one time about a Bible that I was going to buy. And this was when uh, Heather and I, we were just dating at the time, isn't that right? And so I went to a family bookstore and I said, I couldn't decide between a brown or a blue Bible. And I literally would walk through the aisles and make her see me walk through with a brown Bible. And then I'd walk back with a blue Bible and say, which one looks the best? I really did that. I ended up with the Blue Bible, which in hindsight was the wrong choice. I never really felt great about the Blue Bible. Uh, but nonetheless, I guess I thought maybe the blue or the brown would make me look more godly than the other. You know, it, it was kind of funny. I heard about a pastor uh, that once had a Bible that matched every suit. And he would change and color coordinate his Bible. I had a pastor friend once that had a, a real, and I loved him, loved him to death, but he had a pastor voice. You ever heard those pastor voice kind of guys? And when he said the word God, he said, God, duh. So we have different ways to think about godliness, but I want us to think about what does a godly church look like? And so I want you to read with me in Hebrews 10, verse 19 to 25, and I want us to be encouraged or spurred on to be godly. So let's look at Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 25, and I'll read this to you out of the CSB. And I'll try to go quickly. I don't get to preach often, so when I do, I tend to milk it for all it's worth, right? So I'll go no longer than an hour. So here we go. Here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have... I said sisters funny, didn't I? Sisters. <laughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, 
Remember that part. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since He who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke, let me repeat this, for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I see a couple of things in that verse. There's so much you could pull out of it, but I thought about a couple of things that I see in a godly church in that verse. And the first thing I see is that a godly church draws near to God. I want our church to be known as a godly church, not a church that simply just meets together, but I want us to be differentiated from just a meeting group of people, but one that is specifically godly. I believe a godly church draws near to God. And it says there in verse 22, let us draw near to God. And what does that mean? What does that look like when we draw near to God? You know, we have an access to God in the New Testament time that they didn't in the Old Testament time. The veil was torn when Jesus died, wasn't it? We are able to access God in the most intimate way because of what Jesus died for us. But yet, even though Jesus made that possible, we often interact with Him as if the veil was not torn. That is something I find that's very tragic. We often keep a distance between us and God. So I want us to think about an outsider looking at Valwood Park Baptist Church and our nearness to God. If you were to see us worship, is our worship together intimate? And I don't mean irreverent. I think there can be an intimacy that is so familiar that it becomes irreverent. I recognize that. When's the last time, though, that in a moment of intimate worship, you were moved to tears? Now, I want to qualify this. I don't believe that you have to weep every time you worship. But I do believe that there ought to be a stirring of emotion when you worship. There ought to be a connection with head to heart. If there's not, you've missed a part of the connection of worship. I'm not saying that the only place that you worship or the only way you worship is through music. I think often the most intimate times of worship I have are not in this place right here. I have worshipped so many times in the parking lot of this church. Oh, my heart is so often burdened for us. My heart weeps so often for us. 
I sit in my truck often before I walk in on a Monday through Friday and I pray and I weep. And they're not always tears of sadness. Sometimes they're tears of joy. I love you. And I pray for you constantly. I'm blessed to be a part of this fellowship. We have a close fellowship, don't we? Um, it is not a common thing that we have uh, a pastor who's been here 27 years, an associate pastor who's been here 15 years. We have a deep connection together. We love each other. I want our worship to be that intimate kind of worship. A godly church that draws near is a church that prays in deep honesty. You know, the prayer that it talks about the... Um, those that pray in public that uh, babbled like the Gentiles, since they imagined that they'd be heard for their many words. We see that in Matthew 6. What did, what did they say about them? Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. Is your prayer, I realize that you may say, well, I don't get up in front of the, the public space and babble. But I believe what God is saying to us through that scripture is, is our prayer deeply honest and intimate? Are you just praying with verbiage or are you praying from an intimate heart? Do you see the difference? Yes, I realize you may not be one to stand and give a sermon with your prayer, but is your prayer truly an intimate opening of your heart? When someone comes to Valwood Park Baptist Church and they hear you pray, is it truly them hearing you have a conversation with God? People ask often, they say, I don't know how to pray in public. And I say, the way you pray in public is the same way you pray in private. It's just that other people happen to be listening in on your conversation with God. That is the best kind of prayer. I see another element of a godly church, and a godly church holds tight to their confession. And this is something that I feel very strongly about. We are being tested like I don't, want to, I don't know that I want to say never before, but we are being tested like we've not been in modern day culture, never like we have been as a, as a nation. Maybe I should say it that way. We are being tested, are we not, in our faith? I want us to look back at that scripture. In verse 23, it says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope, and I want you to look at this word, without wavering. I have a very deep concern about the church in America that the church in America is wavering. I want our church 
to be known as a church that stands firm in its biblical conviction, one that does not waver on the things that are clear in Scripture. When the Bible says it is so, we say amen and we do not waver. We hold on to the confession of the hope that God has given us and we do not waver. We say it is so even when it is not popular, even if it causes us to have lower numbers. Oh, did I say that? But I mean that. I want us to be a church that does not waver. You know, when we hold on to our faith like that, we know that we will be tested. We know we'll be tested personally. We see this in Romans 10.9. I want you to read in Romans 10.9 through 10. I think we forget this. I'm lying to you. I'm looking at 2 Timothy 3.12. If you'll turn to 2 Timothy 3.12. Remember, I had 10 minutes to get ready for this. 2 Timothy 3.12. This is very succinct. So you can turn there if you want, but I'm going to read it to you. Listen to this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Fifteen years ago, I'm picking an arbitrary number, I would have not thought that I would have used the word persecuted in light of the church. But today, I believe persecution is a proper word that we should be watching out for in light of the church. Are you willing to stand up in light of persecution? So a godly church holds tight to their confession. Remember, a godly church draws near. We're intimate in our worship and our prayer. A godly church holds tight to their confession. We cannot waver. And a godly church also encourages, and better yet, it spurs each other on to action. Look at verse 24. I love that the Bible is so specific in the words that it uses. That's why it's so important that we be sure that we divide the Word of God correctly. That's why we use the word hermeneutics. I'm taking a class called hermeneutics. Can you say the word hermeneutics with me? Hermeneutics. Why do they have to call it that? I don't know. <laughs> but what that means is, is that we have to be sure we interpret everything in Scripture correctly because each word has a specific meaning and it is there for a purpose. We aren't supposed just to encourage each other to good works and to love. It says to provoke or to spur on. What that means is, is that when I look at you and you're not doing good works, 
and you are not loving, not doing your best, I'm not supposed to just give you a pat on the back. That's encouragement. To spur or to provoke is an accountability or even leads to a little bit sometimes of anger because I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone. If you think about it, does a horse like to be spurred? No. Is it comfortable for them to be spurred? No. To provoke, that's the word it uses. To provoke means I'm going to push you to a point of discomfort to say, hey, we, and I like saying we because we all need a little bit of spurring, need to get our act together. Because let me stop right here and say this. The idea that we can just simply have a ministry... I've got to move, don't I? The idea that we can simply have a ministry of presence, a if-you-build-it-they-will-come idea in church anymore does not work. I'm here to spur you on. I'm here to provoke you to say, if you, if we don't get outside these walls and tell people about Jesus and invite them to church, we can be one of the churches in danger of closing their doors. Let me say that again. If me and you don't leave these walls, tell people about Jesus, get to work, invite them to church, we could be one of the churches in danger of closing our doors. God is telling us to spur one another to acts of love and good works. I'm encouraging you and spurring you and provoking you on to good works. And finally, I want to tell you that a godly church spends time together. Look at verse 25 there. It says, not neglecting to gather together as some, of, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's kind of interesting. We are closer today than we were yesterday to the end of what we know. Isn't that right? Every day we're closer. Now the Bible says we don't know the time, right? We don't know, but we do know that we're closer today than we were yesterday. But what God is telling us here through His Word is that as the day approaches, we don't need to decrease our time of fellowship we need to increase. What I believe the recognition here is, is that it's going to be harder, we know that, as we get closer to the end days. We need more encouragement. We need more spurring on. We need more provoking. Because it's harder. We live in a world that is less receptive to our message. I met a guy, I was picking up a couch at Big Lots 
the other day. We got new couches. Are you excited? They had a 20% off sale. So I'm picking up a couch, and I don't really have time for, for this guy. He says, hey, hey, come over here. And he's sitting in his car, and long story short, he's, he wants to share Christ with me. And the guy is, is I would say, probably in his 80s, and he pulls up, and, he, and he's just in his car, and, he, and I can tell he probably can't get out of his car without a you know, walker or whatever, but he says, I just go out every day. And I pray that God gives me somebody to talk to. And, of course, I talk to him and, and share with him who I am. And we, we end up having a great fellowship time. But I saw him talk to some other people. And you could tell they looked at him like he had cooties. They looked at him like he was diseased. We live in a world that is so much less receptive to our message. We need each other more today to encourage and to spur on because I can tell you, even me, who lives my life as a minister of the gospel, I am much more shy to share and my faith today outside these walls for fear of rejection and for fear of people just thinking I'm a weirdo. So I need your encouragement. I need your provocation. I need that. And that's why as the day approaches, we need to be together more and more. So I want to tell you this. It needs to be, and I know we're on Facebook Live right now, and I want you to hear this. If your habit is not to be in church, you are not fulfilling what the Scripture has commanded you to do. Period. Two things I see. We know in Scripture that Jesus, when He was on earth, had a habit of being where? In church. In this scripture it says they are being reprimanded because people had gotten out of the habit of going where? Church. So we have an example of a Christ who had a habit of going to church. We see here people who had gotten out of the habit of going to church. And here's what I do not understand. I don't understand. And Bill and I had a great conversation about this this week. I don't understand not desiring this kind of fellowship. Look at me. I love you. You love me. Look at the person around you. Don't you love each other? Why would you want to miss this? on a Sunday, a Wednesday. Why would you want to miss this? To be with people that love each other, that love God, you need each other. 
So when God gives us a command, it is a command, but it is always comes it always comes along with a benefit for us, doesn't it? He's looking out for us too. But you should be in the habit of being at church every time you can. And it says in this scripture, increasing as the day approaches. So I see in this place some empty seats. And I'm about to end here. I, I see some empty seats. And I'm going to tell you right now, those empty seats are not because we don't have the members in our church. They simply are just not here. Am I hitting too hard? It's not that the membership of Valwood Park Baptist Church is not large enough to fill every seat in this place. But I also see empty seats that need to be filled by new faces. There are new faces in our community. And I just want to tell you, and I'll close like this. I personally have a very strong commitment in this 2020 to reach out to our community. So I am trying to do everything I can to be in our community. As I go study, as I prepare sermons, I'm going to local coffee shops and I'm doing it there so I can meet people, so I can leave my card. Because I want to see new faces filling this section over here of empty seats. And so what I'm asking of you this morning is join us in this same idea of being a church that is known as being set apart, godly, a church that draws near, that has this intimate worship, this intimate prayer life. Will you be that kind of church with us? Will you focus on that with us? A church that draws near to God? Will you be a church, continue to be a church that holds on tight to their confession? Don't be afraid because I believe the lost world, whether they say it or not, are looking for churches that are firm in their beliefs. Kind of like kids that are really looking for parents that have discipline. They'll never be honest about it, but they're really grateful for it. I want to be a church. Will you join me in being a church that is absolutely holding tight and unwavering? But will you be a church that doesn't just encourage each other to love and good works, but actually holds each other to account that spurs and provokes and says, hey, I haven't seen you in church in a while. We really need you to be here. We really need your help. Because with you, we can grow. Will you be that kind of church?
And will you join us and be a godly church that spends time together? So when we put an activity out there and says, hey, you guys come, we're planning this, will you be the church member that says, oh yeah, I'm all in. I'm not going to miss that. Our church is spending time together. How in the world would I miss that event? Even if you think you're not going to like it, it's not about what we're doing. It's about who we're doing it with and who we're doing it for. I'm going to ask our praise team to come to the stage and I just want us to spend some time in prayer and I'm going to ask, you know, we do altar calls often but often people don't respond and I know that the altar here doesn't hold necessarily spiritual significance But I'm going to ask you to come and, and, and to pray for our church. Because I believe in us. I believe in our mission. And we have a pastor that's been here 26, 7 years. We've just started a new team to relaunch our mission. We will not give up on this little church on the corner. This is a godly church. Will you help us continue to be this godly church on the corner? So let's stand and sing. And I'm going to ask some of you to come and to pray at the altar. Draw near. Encourage each other. Spend time together. Let's sing. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. the name 
above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. to know. 